I want to share just a few things with you today. And it's more going to be more of a prophetic encouragement because I believe the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. Sometimes I bring a teaching, but today I really believe this is a word that the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to us right now. And so I want to just pray, uh, just speak into this a little bit to encourage you because I feel it with an urgency in my spirit. Now the Bible uh, tells us we can read, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. And we go, yay, that's nice. But I feel it. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. And God is wanting to release revelation of his favor toward us. He's wanting us to be believers who will believe. Hallelujah. Who believe that the goodness that God is pouring out and who will begin to ask. You know, the scriptures tell us you have not because you ask not. And so God is, I believe, asking us to really begin to recognize the season that we're in, that this is a time of rain and we're to ask for rain in the time of rain. As you see it pouring, God's saying, I want you to ask for more because he who has more will be given. This, this is just the way God is. He wants you to recognize his goodness and begin to move with him. I just want to read a little story to you from 2 Kings chapter 13, if you've got your Bibles. Hallelujah. It's an interesting story. Starting at verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Now we know you, there's Elijah and Elisha. Elisha being the one that was raised up under, under Elijah. And Elisha had seen Elijah going up into heaven with the horsemen and the chariots. And he'd said, he'd, he'd said I want to have a double portion of your mantle. And Elijah said, well, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me going up, and you can have it. And sure enough, he saw him being taken up. And he says, the, the horseman in his chariots, my father, my father. And then they... The mantle came, he picked it up and he struck the water and he said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And sure enough, the, parted, the waters parted as they had done for Elijah and Elisha did double the number of recorded things that Elijah did. The double portion, and people are often talking about a double portion of the mantle, but I believe we have been offered a double portion of the one that, that we saw in faith go up and be caught up into heaven, who is Jesus. God's wanting us to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, hope, or imagine. He wants to give to us. But he also said, greater works than these shall they do. Speaking of Jesus, God is looking to, to see us walking in a double portion of the mantle of the miracles. If you could even begin to think about that, that is a huge invitation. It's, it's a big deal. An invitation that the Father's wanting to provoke us into. And it's not something we can do in our own strength. But as we recognize who he is and the reality that it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. So praise the Lord. We live by the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. We don't have to muster it up. We just need to come into revelation of the truth that thank you, God, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. He was working and moving in miraculous power for three and a half years. Well, I've been around for a bit longer. 
than he was on the earth and I've got a lot longer to go and yet and he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above if you've got more than three and a half years to move in the power of God then he's expecting that you're going to do even more and greater works than he did does anyone a couple of people all right so Elisha became sick and he'd had, a, he'd had a go at having some servants, but he'd had a bit of a bad run with associates. And um, so unlike he and Elijah, he didn't really have a, uh, a, a, a two IC that he was trying to pass things on to. It says here, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Where have you heard that before? The king comes and says, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Where have you heard that before? That's what was said by Elisha when he saw Elijah go. So the king's come, knowing Elisha's about to go. He's about to die. What do you think he's thinking? I believe he's thinking, Wow, well, you know, Elijah got taken up in a chariot. What was going to happen with Elisha? But maybe he was also thinking of the story where Elisha had said and talked about the double portion, the double, the double portion of the mantle. And he might have been having in his head saying this very same phrase that maybe this is what's going to happen here. Is that possible? This is a strange phrase to use when you walk in and see someone about to die. So Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you've destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you destroyed it. But now you'll strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died. And they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Such a strange story, really. But I believe, you know, Elisha was trying to release what the king was, was coming to get in that he was saying... I'm going to do the same thing. The chariots of Israel, my father, my father. And Elisha was like, okay, well, let's do this. Shoot some arrows. Let's strike the ground. I believe Elisha was trying to get him to enter into the double portion that the, the father wanted to release and, and to walk in the, uh, the miracles and the uh, breakthrough and the victories. But unfortunately, the king just didn't put his whole heart into it. Remember, Elisha had been told, well, you know, if it, he kept being dis dissuaded by Elijah all the way along. Just stay here. I'm going to cross over. And Elisha was like, no, 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 I am not leaving you. He kept his eyes on the prize. 
And he was determined. Nothing was going to dissuade him. He was determined to do whatever it was going to take because I want that double portion, right? So the king's there going, oh, yeah. I reckon that could happen here. And Elisha, I believe in his voice, is trying to release it, saying, come on, let's do this, do this, do this. And the king only does it sort of half-heartedly. And the prophet was angry. Then when he died, and, and there was a, um, a kerfuffle went on and his grave was still open and a, a body got thrown into his grave hurriedly. As soon as the, the bones were touched, the body came to life again. And, you know, I've heard it said that that's because Elijah did, Elisha didn't actually release everything that was in him that was supposed to be released. So it was still in his bones. But I believe the story that, uh, the reason I want to share this story for you today is I can feel in the spirit an invitation in the heart of God to do way beyond you, what you have yet begun to imagine. I can feel it that the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to go, okay, God, I'm going to look at what you've got promised. I'm going to look at what you are beginning to offer, what, the, what is on, uh, on the table and what is being in, I'm being invited to, and I am going to go after it wholeheartedly. I'm going to have it. God is looking to give his favor where people are willing to take it and have it. God is looking for us to be a people who begin to ask and to have it, to take it. Hallelujah. I was asking the Lord this week, uh, speak to me, Lord, what do you want to say? And I heard him say Matthew 7, 11. So I looked it up and I went, I hope it's not about me judging people, God. I'm really sorry. I was repenting in advance. Have I been judgmental? Sorry, God. Oh, hooray. 11 doesn't talk about judging other people. Hallelujah. Glad you helped me with that, God. Matthew 7, 11. In days past when I've heard him say Matthew 7, it's like because, oh, I've been judgmental. Sorry, God. But Matthew 7, 11 says this, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover Oh, this, I'm starting actually at verse 7. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? Verse 11, here it is. If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? The Father is looking to give. He is looking to answer your prayers. He's waiting for you to ask and keep on asking. He's lo I can feel the Holy Spirit's longing desire to say, will you recognize this season and will you swim with the wave because I want to take you further than you've ever been before. I tell you, there is a wave upon us right now and it will move you. You will be moved. You will see what's going on. But if you will recognize the time and you will swim with it, you will catch the wave, you'll go further than you could ever have gone before. I shared the other week about the woman with the issue of blood and how Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, there's a whole crowd around you. They're all touching you. How can you say who's touched me? 
And he said, but someone touched me and, and received healing. And the woman had reached out with a determination in her heart. I'm going to connect with him and I'm going to get what I'm, I'm going to connect with the promises of God. She reached out and she deliberately connected with the promises of God, grabbing a hold of the, the edge of his prayer shawl, which, which represents the promises of God. I'm going to connect. And she connected and bang, the healing power flowed, right? But there was a whole crowd around him who were recognizing the miracles, who were recognizing this is Jesus, isn't this wonderful? But they didn't connect with the promise and they didn't actually receive. And it's so easy in this outpouring, in the season of revival, I tell you, this is what has begun. In the season of revival, it is easy to be one of those ones who's in there around Jesus and, and with the crowd going, isn't this great? This is awesome. Look at this. Did you hear about that testimony? Did you see what was going on? You can believe. You can be part of the crowd. Or you can be the one that says in your heart, I'm going to connect with that. I'm going to have that. And I believe I can feel the invitation of the Father right now saying, come on, don't just be part of the party. You all can be part of the party. We will go somewhere further because this is a sovereign move of God. I was telling some people the other day, God is moving in spite of us is how it feels. It's just like people are just getting saved anyway. Like it doesn't, it, it seems like whether you pray a lot, or you pray a little, God's just moving anyway. He's just moving because he is moving. There is a sovereign move of God right now. People are getting baptized through, throughout the week because they don't want to wait. <laughs> it's wonderful what's happening. So exciting. But in this season, I need to speak to you prophetically. Recognize the season of favor that's upon you. And don't be one that just gets moved with the momentum of the crowd, but be one who says, I recognize what's going here on here and I am going to have some of that. I'm going to connect with the promises of God. I'm going to see miracles. I'm going to see the breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I have, sometimes people struggle with this whole idea of asking. And um, I even have people come to the altar. They come for prayer. And I say, what would you like prayer for? And they say, oh, well, there's so many things. I don't want to bother God with too many things, but maybe if, if he could just do this for me. And I look at them incredulous, thinking, you think that he would say, oh, you greedy person, use you want five healings. Like, and they think like that. They're like, oh, I'll just ask for one thing. You know, I really just need that. If I could have that. There is lots of other things, but if I could just have that one thing. It, it shows me a mentality of a, a revelation of the goodness of God that hasn't yet fully been understood. You see, God doesn't want us asking and, and behaving like orphans, but coming to him as children who recognize, my father's so good. Like my kids have no trouble asking from us. They have no trouble because they don't think, oh, I'll just ask her this one thing just in case, you know, maybe she'll do this one thing. They just know I really love to give. I love to bless them. They, they are confident that that. My heart is theirs. What I, whatever I can do, I delight to do. 
But in the same way, the Father's looking for us to to us to know that about Him, to recognize that when we ask, we don't ask as little beggars on the outside, hoping to get a, a scrap from the table, but that we've been grafted into His family. We are now sons and daughters. He's given us the kingdom, Hallelujah, and it's His good pleasure to give it to us, and He delights to give us the desires of our heart. It's the truth. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It, it's the way he is. I tell a story of years ago. I was in a, um, a conference. I was in America and it was really late. And was, um, I was tired. I was jet lagging and someone else was speaking. And I just had this random thought to myself as I looked out over the... Uh, over the um, out of the corner of my eye, I could see the kitchen over there, and I thought, oh man, I would really love. I just right now, I would love some peppermint tea and a piece of cake. <laughs> I reckon that's what I need. I need some sugar. <laughs> Not recommending sugar is a good thing, but I'm like, oh, that's what I feel like right now. I'm tired. I'd really like that. Just a random thought went through my head. Within a minute. A woman had come, I was sitting on the edge of the row, with a stand-up tray, set it beside me with this beautiful tray with a china teapot, a china cup and saucer, a beautiful piece of cake and some peppermint tea already brewed in the teapot. Not for any of the other speakers, just me. I thought, what on earth? I said, what? She said, this afternoon, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, told me to send my husband home an hour's drive away to go and get my best teapot and to bring it because Australians like tea. I, I thought, what? God, what was that all about? I didn't need a cup of tea. Uh, but not only did you give me a cup of tea, you gave it to me in a china teacup and a beautiful piece of cake. And you just went overboard spoiling me with what I didn't even need. But to me, it's a revelation of the reality of what God's like. He doesn't do it because we, you know, give you what you need to survive. He does it because he delights to bless us. He delights to give good gifts. He's a kind God. I understand, you know, Philippians 4.12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned to be both full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But, you know, that attitude comes out of the reality that what we find when we find him is that, oh, Everything else is really quite irrelevant compared to the joy I've found of being in your presence. Hallelujah. But this I know. God, you're so kind. You're so good. And my delight is in you. He says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Because the desires of your heart will no longer become an idol or a stumbling block to you. They're just, not, they're just there. But your real joy is absolutely here. I've been thinking about that even this week as you know, Pastor Daniel shared about some of these things that are happening. And I'm thinking, I'm walking now. I'm, I, I'm having things start to come to pass 
that I've been praying for for 18 to 20 years. I'm seeing that, the, you know, the stadiums are opening up. The, the, um, the miracles are, are happening. The, the television's happening. The things that you promised all those years ago are coming to pass. And I'm thinking, you know, my joy level is, is there. That's great, God. That's lovely. Thank you. But it doesn't even touch the real joy that comes from one-on-one -on -one in his presence or being, uh, knowing the favor of his face, knowing that he smiles at me when he speaks a word to my heart. It, it doesn't even touch that joy. It's just that it's here. Yet it's the fulfillment of dreams that I've had for years and years and years. And it's like, yay, I celebrate. I do a happy dance. I am extremely happy. Yay. But it doesn't even come close to the satisfaction and the joy I have when he speaks to me when I open my Bible or when he talks to me when I'm worshipping him and seeking his face. And I believe that's what the Lord's talking about. When we learn to find our satisfaction in him, then he'll give us the desires of our heart because we've discovered the true joy of what satisfaction looks like. Ah, satisfied in your presence. And then I can have absolute confidence to ask whatever I feel to ask, knowing that he's a good God and he delights to do what we ask. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 1.18, most of you would know this scripture if you've done the prophetic school. It says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. That's an invitation. Have you had any prophecies over your life? Or have you had anything the Holy Spirit's dropped into your heart? Dreams that he's dropped into your heart? When I, when I first really um, received a baptism of fire, the Lord just began to put dreams in my heart. I would see fireballs going out over crowds and people getting up out of wheelchairs. I'd see the fire of God literally going in balls out over the crowds. I saw the big crowds and I saw the, the miracles. And, and these were not something that people had prophesied. These were things that the Lord was speaking to my heart. Yet I went, yes, God, thank you. I saw it as an invitation. I said, yes, be it unto me according to your word. The scripture tells us just like Mary, she said, bless, the Lord called her blessed because she believed what the Lord had promised her. When Elizabeth saw her, he, she said, blessed are you because you have believed what the, the Father has promised you. And I believe that when we recognize those invitations and we believe it, the Lord blesses it. He delights us to, uh, in us to believe what he's putting in there because it's just the catalyst, the beginning. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above even that. And I can imagine a lot. It's Ephesians 3, in case you're wondering. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I believe we need to start looking both at the, at the personal prophetic words that are witnessed with your heart. You need to pull them out. I write them down. I record them. I stick them in my playlists so they randomly pop up and surprise me. Oh, yeah, I remember that prophetic word. Because God's looking for us to recognize that prophecies are not necessarily inevitabilities, but they are invitations. 
God's looking for us to recognize that the prophetic is an invitation for us to say, wow, yes. You see, that woman with the issue of blood, she recognized a prophetic invitation. There's healing in his wings. I'm going to go and touch. I'm going to be healed. She may not have received it had she not pressed in, waged war to go and get it. The same prophecy was given to the entire nation of Israel. You're going to enter a land flowing with milk and honey. Yet only two people actually inherited that promise. I didn't make God a false prophet. It meant that only two applied faith and patience to the promise and didn't change the subject, but went, I'm going to have that. God said it. I'm going to ask and I'm going to keep on asking. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to have it. Give me my mountain. Hallelujah. I believe the Father's also looking for us in what I believe is actually a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. Like I, I can sense personal revival happening. Even in the last few weeks, there's just been like a personal revival going on. Anybody else sense that happening in your hearts? Oh, see? <laughs> if you are not sensing it, just have it anyway. Hallelujah. But I've been feeling that. There's this personal revival happening. There's an invitation into it. But if I didn't feed it, if I instead just dulled myself by watching Netflix for hours on end, I could fill my mind with other things and miss out on the invitation. But when I recognize, oh, something's going on here. I've recognized this this last week and or last few weeks, couple of weeks, and I've just been right, I'm just going to cut some things out of my life so I can really focus on receiving right now because I don't want to miss this time. I don't want to fall half asleep. I want to I get sharper. I want to get further. I want to receive all that God's doing. I want to feed myself on healthy things because God is moving and I don't want to be asleep and miss out. But I, So I believe we need to respond to what we're sensing the Holy Spirit doing. We, it's an invitation. You don't have to. He's committed to your freedom. But if you sense God stirring and you're determined to go with it, he'll give you more. God is committed to our freedom. He's committed to our freedom. He doesn't force you. He doesn't manipulate you. He just inv offers invitation. Come here. Come away with me. Let's run together. Let's leap and skip on the mountains. You go, oh, I'm a bit tired, you know. Washed my hair. I just I really feel like having to do it now. You know, whatever they said in Song of Songs. Oh, that's right. Washed my feet. Don't want to have to get out of bed. Yet the bridegroom's knocking at the door saying, Come on, let's go. Oh, it's night time. Bit tired. This is the invitation of the Holy Spirit right now. Right now, when it's maybe not the most comfortable season for you to do it. Maybe it doesn't seem the most convenient time to drop everything and go after God. But I'm telling you, for those who will, who dares wins. For those who say, right, 
I can sense the Holy Spirit moving. Can you feel the Holy Ghost on this? I can sense the Spirit moving. I'm going to set my face like Flint to go after him. I'm going to be more determined. And I've been feeling in my spirit for days, probably weeks now, this invitation to ask, to hit the ground with the, with the, speed, the, the arrows and to be determined not just to give it a little go but to really ask. In fact, I've actually set a timer to not touch any device, answer any emails or any messages or anything. Set a timer like for 40 minutes specifically only to focus for 40 minutes just on asking, just asking. I mean, I pray in tongues, I worship, I read the word, I, I, I do all the other stuff. But I felt in this season, as God's been saying to me, ask and keep on asking, ask, strike the arrows to the ground, ask, 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 ask. I'm extending the scepter. It's a year of the favor of the Lord. When I'm hearing this, I'm going, okay, I need to respond. And as I, as I, I'm a bit of an easily distracted person. If you ever saw that movie Up, you know, the children's movie, the dog with the squirrel, like, squirrel. That's me. I can easily get distracted. And um, so I need to discipline myself. Otherwise, you know, I'm reading. I, I can't even read my... I have to use a paper Bible when I'm at home because if I use this, the, the notifications come up and I'm like, oh, what are they doing? That's interesting. Like, Ten minutes later, I'm halfway through a Facebook feed. I'm like, what? Hang on. I'm supposed to be reading the Bible. So I have to take measures to sort my life out. So I got paper Bibles and I, I set this timer to start asking. And you know what? As I have to set my face to start continually asking for 40 minutes, I discovered there's a whole heap of things that I need to be asking about that I've actually just been allowing to form as worry in my heart. And instead of asking, I've been talking about it, believing for it, but I haven't actually been asking. I start to ask and it starts to flow. Like, and I'm beginning to pray for this person and that person. And this person comes to mind, so I pray for that person. And it, it's quite a delightful joy. You may not need to be as disciplined as I am in this, but it's just a little example of what I believe the Lord is looking for us to do. There are so many more people who are wildly more wonderfully spiritually disciplined than me. I am growing. Hallelujah. I do enjoy the Lord's presence, but I believe the Lord is looking for us to really recognize what he's saying, recognize the invitations and to move with him. I've been asking every Tuesday night for the last uh, year or so, Nathaniel's been leading us. If you don't come on Tuesdays, you come to the prayer meeting. It's awesome. But um, been leading us just to Spend a minute, 60 seconds, every week asking for someone specific to be saved. And I've been using that time to pray for relatives of mine to get saved. And so every week, every Tuesday, I'm lifting up this particular person and that particular person. Well, I've been doing that for a couple of years, lifting up different relatives and praying for my unsaved family members. And it's been amazing what the Lord's done. I've, I've heard stories of four different relatives of mine that have been approached by people to have the gospel shared with them by people I know who didn't know they were my relatives. I had a, um, 
my one of my little brothers who I have hardly had any time in my life to spend with. He was raised with another mother um, that we, we didn't get to see. He's, I think, only 27 or so. But I've been praying for him for a long time. And then when JT came and did the um, worship for us at the summit, he put on Facebook that, oh, I was at Catherine Renala's church. And we found out this amazing story. JT had, before he was really walking with the Lord, he was living in England and he'd seen an advertisement for an Australian barista with a good beard. And so he answered this ad and got a job at a coffee shop, which happens to have been run by my brother. But he didn't know he was my brother. He worked there for a little while. Then he came back to Australia, encountered God, went back to England, looked this guy up and shared the gospel with him. He came back here, did worship for us, put it on Facebook. My brother's girlfriend writes and says, that's my brother's sister. And we found out that JT had just shared the gospel with my brother that I've been praying for all these years that I hadn't had a chance to meet with. I had another situation. Oh, you, you know the story of my, my eldest daughter and how Sean and Rochelle just felt randomly to go and pray for this girl as she was coming out of a restaurant. And, you know, amazing encounter with God and amazing things that the Lord has done through that. And, and then uh, my cousin was in Carindale. And a guy, another bearded fellow, <laughs> went up to him. Mitch Ramsey goes up to him and starts to share the gospel with him. Tells me later, hey, I, I met your cousin. Shared the gospel with you. I was like, that's amazing. Then my father, who I've been praying for since I was six, never had, and he's never actually physically come and heard me preach. I adore him. He's an ma amazing man. Been praying for him to get saved since he was six. Daniel Zelli comes to church, runs a missions uh, thing to, where'd you go, Cambodia. Needed an extra doctor. So he says to me, your dad's a doctor. What do you reckon about your dad coming and doing a missions trip? And I laughed in his face. I said, he has never even heard me preach and he loves me. And he said, no, go on, ask him. <laughs> so I asked him and he said, yes. He went to Cambodia. He had the gospel preached for him, to him every day. He's, a, he's so changed. His heart is so soft just astonished after 41 years of praying for him then my brother my other brother who I've been praying for comes to the end of the um, mission that he was on turns up and and ever since that time I've just been having the opportunity more and more to begin to share the gospel with him and I'm just astonished at what the Lord's done but I say all of that to encourage you 
It doesn't matter how long you've been praying. If you won't give up, but you'll start, you'll keep praying as, as one that's not an orphan on the outside, but one that's on the inside saying, God, we're asking because we know it's your will and your delight. You ask and you keep on asking. If you're praying for your unsaved relatives, God is putting a mark on them when you are praying. Watch and see. He's activating the angels to have divine setups for them to be coming into the kingdom of God, I can tell you. But he wants you to begin asking about all sorts of things because God wants to do way beyond what we've ever imagined. Pastor Fred knows all about asking and we've seen such an, he's seen such an amazing story happen and unfold out there at the Tivoli. Ask and, and now they, the, the unfolding blessings upon blessings upon blessings that still keep coming with the drive-in cinema out there and the... Just astonishing. He keeps asking and he keeps receiving because he believes he has faith in a good, good father. He asks and, and he gets this, the biggest projector in the southern hemisphere fully paid for. Gets a million dollar grant to build a stage and to, to um, uh, get people working and, and teach them and train them. And it's just like he just keeps asking, just keeps receiving. God wants to challenge you. Why would you live down here when God wants you to start thinking like him? God wants you to start believing that he is a good father and that as you seek him first, as you delight yourself in the Lord, that he wants you to ask and keep on asking because he wants to give and he, wants to, he delights and gives him pleasure to give good gifts to his children. Now, many of us have hopes and dreams on the inside, but don't let those hopes and dreams sit there only as hopes and dreams. They are invitations waiting for a response, and that response is for you to ask and then to begin to activate it. Elisha asked for the double portion. He received it, but then he picked it up and he activated it, saying, picked it up and went, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Struck the water in faith, stepped out with it. God's looking for us to ask, to keep on asking, and then he's looking for us to begin to activate it. And I believe the way we can activate it is by making declarations about what we've asked, by calling those things that be not as though they are, speaking it out. I, I love to do this. I make declarations like all of my uh, children are married to godly spouses. None of them are married yet, praise the Lord. But they are going to be married to godly spouses. And, uh, you know, I make, I make declarations. I was making declarations before I ever had a church that I have an amazing loyal team that are innovative. innovative. I have an amazing media team. I, have, I was declaring what I had before I had it, and now I have it. Hallelujah. Now I have to start thinking of more things to declare. See, I believe... We need to get out of this little small-minded mentality that says, well, I don't want to ask for too many things. I don't want to appear greedy. Because what it's saying is that I don't understand that, hey, my heart is not given to these things anyway. My heart is given to him. And let's just believe for the kingdom to do everything that he wants to do and more because he is a God that, who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and nothing is too difficult for him. We need to get out of our, you know cultural squirmish thoughts of like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to be asking for too much. 
and stop thinking like mere humans and start thinking like God is with us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of me. God in me is not dreaming of having a little life. God in me is dreaming of doing exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask, hope or imagine. God in me is dreaming of doing greater works than he did when he was physically here on the earth. God in me is dreaming of being the light of the world. He wants influence. If I was going to write a book, God had told me to write a book. Why would I expect or want it to not have as much influence as it possibly could? Why would I think, oh, I'll write a book and, you know, I hope that it does reasonably well. <laughs> I'll write a book and, you know, I hope that it just hits the people it's really meant to hit. It's like God, God wants everything we do to be done with an attitude of a heavenly mindset. So I began to declare my book's a bestseller. Well, my book became a bestseller. Hallelujah. First book, bang, bestseller on Amazon. And I don't say that to boast. You need to understand me. I say that to say there is much more available than many of us have ever even begun to understand. God's looking for you to begin to get specific. It wouldn't hurt some of you to set a timer and start asking. Because you might just discover that you need to make it a little longer and a little longer because there's a lot of things to ask. And then when you start asking, then make it a way of life to start declaring, decreeing and calling those things that be not as though they are. Because I'm telling you, this is the season of the favour of the Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for your grace. And Lord, I do ask that you would give us each and every one a personal revival. Lord, that you'd help us to recognize the times and the seasons, that you'd help us to recognize the divine invitations, and you'd help us to move with what you are saying and with what you are doing. God, don't let us be asleep, but awaken us to righteousness. Lord, that we'd sin not, that we'd walk with you, that we'd be aware of what you're saying. Lord, help us to wage war with the prophetic words spoken over us. Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you'd capture our faces. Lord, you, the glory and the lifter of our heads, overwhelm us with the face of your, of your love for us. Lord, you want to make your face shine on us. Lord, it's your delight and your good pleasure to bless us. Help us to believe it. Help us to partner with you. In the name of Jesus, everybody said... Amen. I shared recently um, a series on uh, number six, and I was saying how my friend Warren Marcus has written a book on it, and uh, that first part of the blessing, the ancient prayer of blessing there is, um, the Lord bless you. But the word bless there actually means to kneel and to give something of value. And it shows the heart of God. He wants to kneel before us and give us something of value. God, I want to kneel before you and I want to receive and I want to bless you. And I want to say thank you. I want to receive the blessing that you want to give into my life today. Oh, Lord, bless me indeed. I pull out the apostolic prayers. I've done a whole recording of apostolic prayers that I've prayed, it in, prayed into. You can get them here or you can get them on um, wherever. <laughs> Spotify, wherever, but worth, um, worth praying into because as you learn to pray in agreement with God, 
I believe the Lord's wanting to shift you from an orphan mindset into a child of God mindset that begins to take hold of these things with power. The scripture tells us in 1 John 3 that if our hearts, I think it's John 1 John 3, that if our hearts don't condemn us, he's greater than our hearts. And if our hearts don't condemn us, or if our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. But if our hearts don't condemn us, whatever we ask, we receive. He so wants to bring you into his heart, into a revelation of his love for you, because he wants you to begin to enter into that slipstream of knowing you are my highest delight and my greatest joy and nothing else matters. And then enter into a place of faith where we just begin to make royal decrees and, and royal requests to see his kingdom come on earth that others might find the great joy and the great satisfaction that we have in knowing him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we say thank you for your word. We're going to pray for a few people tonight. Um, we would normally take communion together, but four weeks ago Tom ordered the communion cups and they still haven't arrived, so we haven't got enough. So instead of communion this week, we're going to, we're going to pray for some people and then we're going to pray for each other. Uh, so in just a few minutes we're going to do that. But before I do that, I want to ask you tonight... If you're here and you know in your heart that you're not in a relationship with God, where you've discovered that joy of being connected to Him, that joy of knowing He loves you, that joy of knowing that I've exchanged my life to receive His, I've exchanged my sin and my old ways to receive His new heart, His forgiveness, His righteousness, His eternal life, then that is the greatest invitation on offer today. He is offering you eternal life. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you a brand new life, a new heart, a new start. If you're here today and you say, yes, I need to get my life right with God. I want today to be the day that I respond to God. I respond to His mercy and I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. I'd like to give you to give me a wave if that's you so that I can pray for you. Is there anyone here that says, yes, that's me. Today I want to do that. I want to receive the Lord as my Saviour. Let me see your hand if that's you. Is there anyone here that says yes? I want to receive the Father today as my, I want to receive Jesus as my Saviour and my Lord. Anybody out here today that says, I want to do that? It's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Well, for those watching and those here, I want you just to pray this after me. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be punished in my place. I believe that he died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I give you my life. I give you all of my sin, everything I've ever done. I bring you all of my shame and I lay it down at the foot of your cross. I receive your forgiveness for everything. I receive your righteousness. I receive your life, your spirit, your heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yay, God. Yes, God, we bless you. We bless you.